It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On today's episode, I'll take a deeper dive into forward Andrew Crystal's 2023 NHL draft profile, and I'll also go over forward Mackenzie Entwistle's season recap segment. All that and plenty more right here on Locked On Blackhawks. Your Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Today is Monday, May 22nd. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at Jack Bushman2, or you could also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talk and Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And real quick, just a reminder that you could subscribe or follow along for free on YouTube and wherever you may be listening to your podcast. Make sure to do that real quick. It does help me out tremendously, and it also allows you to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each and every day. I also wanted to let you know that today's episode is sponsored by Game Time. Make sure to go and download the Game Time app right now to get the cheapest tickets to all the latest sports, music, and theater events near you. All right. Good afternoon, everyone. As always, thank you all for joining me on another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, your one-stop shop for all things Chicago Blackhawks. And thank you all for making the show your very first listen here to start off your day, your very first listen here to start off your week. Hope everyone out there had themselves a lovely weekend. To open things up on the show here to kick off this week, it's time to get into another 2023 NHL draft profile. I obviously begun this segment last week with none other than Colby Barlow, who seems uh, like is kind of a fan favorite right now, according to Blackhawks fans, is a prospect they could potentially trade up for to nab in the 2023 NHL draft, you can easily go and check out my breakdown on Barlow and whether or not the Blackhawks should consider taking him or consider trading up to get him. Can easily find that out. <clears throat> can easily, excuse me, go and watch that video on my YouTube channel while you're there. Make sure to hit that subscribe button for me. I would greatly appreciate it. Um, but next up, though, on my 2023 NHL draft profiles today, I will be getting into Andrew Crystal's. 2023 NHL draft profile, a very intriguing 18-year-old winger, 5'10", only 165 pounds, as I'll talk more about in a moment. That's one of the biggest concerns about Andrew Kristall's game. Spent the last two seasons playing for the Kelowna Rockets of the WHL, and some of you Blackhawks fans may actually remember him or recognize that name a little bit because uh, he played a lot with Colton Dock before he got traded from the uh, Kelowna Rockets to the Seattle Thunderbirds this past season. He spent an entire year with Kelowna after getting um, traded there from the Saskatoon Blades. Colton's bounced around a couple of times uh, in his junior career thus far. But yes, he did play for the Kelowna Rockets. And yeah, some of you may remember Andrew Kristall and all the good work they did together for that team. And Kristall put up just some absolutely deadly numbers for Kelowna this past season. He tallied 39 goals and 56 assists for 95 points in just 54 games played. That ranks second among all CHL skaters. And for those of you out there who aren't familiar for the C with the CHL, that's 
the Western Hockey League, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, and the Ontario Hockey League. Andrew Kristall ranked second in points per game among all skaters in all three of those leagues, trailing only Connor Bedard. So obviously some special company there. Almost two points a game for Andrew Kristall this past season. He was an absolute force to be reckoned with on the offensive side of things. He also went up and posted six points in seven games for Team Canada this past year at the U18 World Juniors, was an alternate captain for that club as well. And a combination of all that stuff has Crystal um, potentially going as one of the top picks in the 2023 NHL draft, according to some. And this is where it gets really interesting diving into Crystal's game and hearing what some different scouting websites and how different people feel about him. Um, there's a lot of... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? A, a lot of disparity about where Crystal could Crystal, excuse me, could end up going in the first round of the 2023 NHL draft. We see um, the hockey news and McKean's hockey have him uh, listed as the number six prospect in the 2023 NHL draft. Elite prospects has him ranked at number eight. Same with Dauber prospects, but then. We see the daily faceoff has Crystal at number 16. Bob McKenzie has him all the way down at number 18. Sportsnet has him at 25. And then believe it or not, Craig Button has him going outside of the first round ranked as the number 35 prospect in the entire draft. So yeah, there's a lot of disparity right now about where Andrew Crystal could end up going. And I referenced this a little bit earlier, but the, the concerns about his game and why there is this disparity is because first and foremost, he is only five foot ten, right under 170 pounds at this point in time. And that's obviously gonna lead to some concern when you're trying to select a player who you want to help change the tides of your franchise when you're selecting so early in the first round. And when he's only weighing 160, 170 pounds and clearly has some ways to go in that side of the developmental process, that's what leads to some concerns. The other uh, issue that some folks have with him is the skating ability, the skating mechanics, and kind of the compete level. He doesn't necessarily have breakaway speed, and the mechanics aren't exactly the best. Um, to be fair, he he does do some things well in terms of skating. He's a really good edge worker, um, is really good on his edges, and that helps him in transition. He's very aware out there on the ice, so while he doesn't have um, the best skating mechanics, he does make up for that in terms of his overall hockey IQ. He's very aware of where the defenders are, where his teammates are at, and where he is on the ice and what he needs to do in order to create some space and open things up for his team offensively. But there are some concerns about whether or not he's ever going to be an elite enough skater to be driving play and be a top six playmaker at the NHL level. There are some concerns about that side of his game. And then obviously he's going to have to get stronger and kind of round out his game a little bit more because just being 165 pounds at the junior level, he's already had some difficulty with getting out muscled and just kind of not, not being able to be effective enough on the forecheck, on the back check, along the boards, not good enough in those areas because the size just the size and strength hinder him a little bit. So there's those are really the concerns and the areas that he has to work at moving forward. And the, that's kind of what's led to some disparity in terms of where he's actually going to go in the draft. But other than that, the offensive side of things for Andrew Crystal is absolutely magnificent. And there's a reason why he was the second most productive player in all 
of the CHL behind only Connor Bedard is because this offensive game is absolutely spectacular. And if you go and watch Andrew Kristall's, Christ, I keep calling him Kristall, Andrew Kristall's tape, then you'd understand he is a human highlight reel because of the way that he's able to do things with the puck on his stick. He's an amazing puck handler, can dance through tight windows and in, in tight areas, he's able to find ways to make a play happen. Good dangler, can carry it through the neutral zone when he's getting pressured by his opponents. And he's shown a really good poise and ability despite not having the biggest frame to keep the puck on his stick and keep moving forward. And then he pairs that along with some of the best vision and hockey IQ in this entire draft. I mean, he makes unbelievable plays that you think aren't even there, but he seems like he's a step ahead of everyone out there on the ice because of his vision. He thinks the game at a high level. He knows how to read defenses. He knows where he has to go to open up space and the ability to make things happen in transition. It's just undeniable, right? He almost kind of reminds me, and I know this is obviously a very lofty comparison, but the way that Andrew Crystal plays in transition, it honestly reminds me of Patrick Kane because he keeps his head up at all times. He knows where the defenders are. He knows how the defense is supposed to react to a certain play in transition. And it, he reads things on the fly incredibly well. And I already talked about how poised he is with the puck on his stick. Very patient, doesn't you know force anything, but can absolutely thread the needle out there. If he has, you know, a three on two going the other way, he keeps his head up, can see the trailer driving back door and make that quick pass to feed them cutting to the net. Or he knows when he has to kind of pull up at the blue line and skate over at the top and, you know, above the circles to kind of give his teammates and line mates some more time to develop the play and get open a little bit. And then he also has the ability to blow it past the goaltender if you give him too much space. He's more so known as a playmaker, but you don't score 39 goals this season if you can't find the back of the net and don't have some tricks up your sleeve, right? And it doesn't get talked about enough, but his curl and drag wrister and his ability to shoot the puck through traffic, it is really impressive. It might not be the best part of his game, but I do think he is still going to be a capable goal scorer at the next level. But really on the offensive side of things, it's all about the vision, the hockey IQ, the awareness out there. Like he thinks the game at such a high level, it's very impressive to see as an 18-year-old. Um, and on the man advantage, he, he seems like he's a guy who's been very capable of playing his offside, the left circle on the power play. And a lot of his assists come by setting up one-timers, going dot to dot um, and, and setting up his teammates that way. So, yeah, he's got a very dynamic and diverse offensive game. Not, you know, game-breaking speed. He doesn't have pull-away speed. That's something to work on in the future, but absolutely thinks the game as high as basically anyone in this draft. Put up amazing offensive numbers, a dynamic playmaker in all aspects of it. Offensively, there really aren't any concerns about Andrew Crystal's game. It feels like he can be uh, a productive top six forward at the next level. But as I mentioned, there are some concerns about the size, the physicality, the intangibles a little bit, and kind of Funny enough, in comparison to Colby Barlow, who I broke down last week, feels like they're two like completely different players in this area where Colby Barlow feels like he he's very safe and it feels like he's <clears throat> got a very good chance of being an NHLer and being a lock to be an NHLer because of the way that he plays and all the things he's uh, able to provide without the puck on his stick. He's a great leader, plays a 200-foot game, tenacious, 
um, goes to the dirty areas. The compete level is on a different level. For Andrew Crystal, there are some worries about that kind of stuff. But interestingly enough, I do think the Blackhawks are in a good spot right now. And we heard um, Mike Donahue, director of scouting, mention this recently where because of the amount of picks that the Blackhawks have and that they've landed the number one overall selection, that's obviously huge in so many different ways, but it can allow them to be a little bit more aggressive. And we saw that with Sam Renzel at the back end of the first round of the 2022 draft. He's a project and it's going to take him a couple of years, but the Blackhawks can afford to be patient and take on that type of risk. I kind of feel the same thing here about Andrew Crystal. Are there concerns about his game? Absolutely. Do you worry that he's not going to be able to do the intangibles well enough that if the offense isn't his bread and butter, there are some concerns about whether or not he's going to be an everyday NHL player. But I do think the Blackhawks are in a spot where they can take a gamble like this. And looking at the offensive side of things, I mean, Andrew Kristol has no weaknesses there. I just talked about how special of a playmaker that he truly is. Go and watch the highlights if you want to see more about what I'm talking about, because he makes incredible plays that look like, you know, he, he can turn um, nothing into something in a heartbeat. That seems to be his specialty. So I, I think the Blackhawks are in a spot where they really could consider Andrew Crystal if they, if they do want to trade up, I feel like given the position that they're in, if I was calling the shots, that's probably the way I would be leaning, but Hey, maybe they're looking for someone that's a little bit more of a safety blanket. That most certainly would be Colby Barlow, but um, all in all with the offensive game that Andrew Crystal provides, I'd be willing to take a gamble on him. I know there are some concerns about the size and the strength and the defensive side of things, but um, he's still only 18 years old, obviously has plenty of runway left to develop. I personally would like to see the Hawks take a chance on a player like this. Obviously I've only broken down two 2023 NHL draft profile. So I'm not saying it's Andrew crystal or bust, but I do like the way he plays the game. The playmaking ability is undeniable. I personally would be leaning that way if I was the one making decisions, but I am not. But a very intriguing prospect, nonetheless, Andrew Kristall from the Kelowna Rockets, one of the best offensive players in the 2023 NHL draft. All right, Hawks fans, coming up in just a minute, I still have to get into forward Mackenzie Entwistle's 2022-2023 season recap segment. But first, I need to talk to you all about game time, which is the perfect place for last-minute ticket deals. And buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. And game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. And I personally have been using game time since I was back in high school. It's always been the cheapest and easiest way for me to get my tickets to all the games that I want to go to. And I also love how they always send me images of my scenes and provide event cancellation protection. So go and download the GameTime app right now, create an account, and use the promo code LOCKDOWNNHL in all caps for $20 off your first purchase. $20 off to a game. Who wouldn't love that? All you have to do, again, is create an account and redeem the code LOCKDOWNNHL in all caps for $20 off. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed, Game Time. What's up, guys? Trey Matthews of Locked On Devils here. And let me tell you about Discover Debit Cash Back. Wings for the game? Boom, cash back. New lucky jersey? Boom, cash back. Even a last-minute ice run could score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cash Back Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's a guaranteed win? 
Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees, period? I'm telling you, this one is a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank member FDIC. All right, we're back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. Real quick before I get into segment two, I do want to let all of you know about the awesome stuff I have planned ahead for the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. I know I've been getting a lot of new listeners here on the show. There's a special buzz going around in Chicago right now as the Hawks are just a month away from landing generational talent, Connor Bedard. And yeah, I appreciate all the new support. Make sure to stick around because it's a lot of good stuff that I have coming up in the next few weeks here on the show. Obviously my season recaps, my NHL draft profiles, I've already started both of those. If you want to get all cup on cat, caught up on that make sure to go and check out the youtube channel and subscribe while you're there i'm also going to be having a chat with joe brand from wgn possibly sometime here this week i'm also working on having uh, an nhl draft scout come by to talk a little bit more about Connor bedard and some other potential prospects that the hawks could be looking at taking i'm going to be having my end of season blackhawks top 10 prospects list coming up in the next couple of weeks so yeah plenty of good stuff to be looking forward to make sure you're already subscribed to lockdown blackhawks to stay up to date on all of that good stuff all right segment two time to get into another season recap segment i'm actually getting pretty close to the end here i think i only have like four or five of these left is I'm only going to be going over players who played in at least a quarter of the game for the Chicago Blackhawks this season, because with the revolving door of players that they had coming up from Rockford for a couple of games and then going right back down, just doesn't make sense to go over each and every one of them, especially when they only played in like three or four games or something. So yeah, only going to be having a couple of more season recap segments left here on lockdown Blackhawks and up next we have none other than 23-year-old forward Mackenzie Entwistle, who played in his second full season at the NHL level this past season with the Blackhawks and once again spent most of that in a bottom six role. And the first thing that I want to say, I've kind of had a similar conversation like this already, but I, I do think it's a little hard to judge, to accurately judge, I guess I should say, the season that someone like Mackenzie Entwistle had, being a fourth liner for you know, one of the worst teams in the entire NHL. It's like judging a defensive defenseman. I kind of mentioned this with Connor Murphy and with uh, Boris Kachuk and even a little bit with Seth Jones. It's hard to exactly figure out how influential they were on the Blackhawks play because, you know, more times than not, the Blackhawks wound up losing those games. So um, it's not the easiest thing to do to kind of grade these player seasons because their impact isn't necessarily felt on a night-to-night basis and it's hard to judge and grade it when you know the results just aren't there for the Blackhawks and um, it feels like obviously third and fourth liners when you're trying to build a Stanley Cup contender those guys can make or break your team whereas you know when you're a bottom feeder at the NHL standings having a mediocre third or fourth line isn't really going to be all that noticeable and isn't going to help get you over the hump because you just have so many glaring flaws. But what I will say about Mackenzie and Whistle, despite, you know, maybe the offensive numbers not taking the leap that I had hoped going into this season, um, and maybe just there being some 
more absent performances than I would have liked. I, I will say there is still a lot to like about his game and the fact that he's still only 23 years old. He's going to be turning 24 here in less than a month. Um, I, I still think he's very young, and I do think the way he plays the game and the style he provides is very intriguing for the Blackhawks moving forward. And we've heard them mention as a front office since Kyle Davidson's taken over. We heard Mike Donahue mention it again. Um, the Blackhawks are really focused on adding speed up and down their lineup, right? It's been so noticeable basically ever since they won their last Stanley Cup in 2015 that they just haven't had the speed to keep up in today's NHL with the game only getting faster and faster and faster year in and year out. They just haven't had enough dynamic skaters and dynamic playmakers in order to create enough offensively. And it's really put them behind the eight ball for several seasons now. So that's clearly been a focus of this organization. We also heard Donahue say there are some prospects that the Blackhawks have already crossed off for the 2023 NHL draft because they're just simply not good enough skaters. So to hear that that's a focal point of the organization moving forward, I think it's incredibly important and has to be a priority for this team with just the way that the game is played nowadays. Um, and with Entwistle being a very good skater that also provides some size in a bottom six role, six foot three, six foot four forward who moves really well, maybe not the best skater on the team, but certainly right up there with the best of them. And um, I, I think that's the type of game you want your fourth liners to be playing physical, good skater, good on the four check, hard along the walls, obviously a gritty grinder. Sure. The offensive numbers for Anwistle were a little bit down this year, but the way that he played the style that he provides the role that he takes on, he's well aware of that. And it never changed from night to night. He knows he's out there to be defensive-minded, to be a pain in the butt to play against, hard to play against in the defensive zone, a really hard worker. And he's also going to finish his checks. He's going to be physical with the body. And he's going he's gonna to make you earn your minutes out there. That's kind of the job of the fourth line, right, to give your big guns a little bit of a rest and to go out there and try and get momentum back on your side and not give up anything. And I think Mackenzie and whistle, those things he did really well this season. And I'm still intrigued about the steps that he can take in these next couple of years because he already has the size, because he has the physicality, the willingness to be physical and also uh, the skating ability to go along with it. I think that's kind of the ideal fourth liner. And while, yeah, maybe it wasn't, the most impressive season from Mount Whistle, I think as the Blackhawks knock on wood, hopefully start to get better and that competitive window opens up again, a player like Mackenzie Entwistle, his impact is going to be felt a little bit more. And also he's going to be a couple years older and hopefully we'll have his game rounded out a little bit better as well. So getting into the numbers for Mackenzie Entwistle this season, he ended up playing in 66 of the 82 games for the Blackhawks. That's up from the 55 that he played in as a rookie last year. As I mentioned, though, the offensive numbers, I didn't expect them to be great. It's not like I thought Mackenzie Entwistle was going to be like a 12, 15 goal score or anything. No, that's just not what he brings to the table. Um, but I did see some flashes at times last year, particularly when he got an opportunity to play with Jonathan Taves or when he got a little bit of a bump up in the lineup. Again, it's not like he was producing night in and night out, but I thought he was a little bit more capable than what we had seen on the offensive side of things so far in his career, but just didn't go 
in that direction this season. One thing that also probably didn't help is the Blackhawks were one of the worst offensive teams in the entire NHL, as opposed to last season when they still had Patrick Kane, Dylan Strom, Alex DeBrinket, Dominic Kubelik. I know Entwistle didn't get a lot of time with those guys anyway, but just as a whole, the Blackhawks offense obviously struggled a lot more this season than it did the year prior. Uh, Entwistle wound up tallying just four goals. He had five in the 55 games of the year before, along with six assists, one fewer than he had as a rookie in all total 10 points. He had 12 the year before. So we'll see if he can kind of get back above that next season. Hopefully the Blackhawks with Connor Bedard and maybe a couple of others will be a better offensive club as a whole. And maybe that helps and whistles numbers be up a little bit more. Uh, one thing that I have been impressed with from Ed Whistle, though, is his ability to stay out of the penalty box for how physical and how scrappy and how grindy he is playing a defensive-minded role on the Blackhawks' fourth line. Only 14 penalty minutes in 66 games this season. And I think as someone who probably is going to be taking on larger roles on the penalty kill, if I had to guess, in these next couple of years, I think that's something that certainly um, can't, you know, um, shouldn't be impressive an ability to stay out of the box in that type of role. I think it's uh, something that's kind of quietly impressive about Entwistle's game. In terms of his shooting percentage, he shot 8% this year, which actually for like a fourth liner isn't all that terrible. Um, Probably would like to see him be a little more aggressive when the puck is on his stick. He shot 14.7% as a rookie last year. Probably not a sustainable number, but if he can get some more shots, maybe we can see that percentage go up a little bit again next season. In terms of the time on ice, it was a bottom six role once again for Entwistle, but it looked like he did get trusted upon by Luke Richardson and this coaching staff as the year went on, ended up averaging 11 minutes and 55 seconds of ice time, which is up from the 10 minutes and 15 seconds he averaged as a rookie. At the faceoff dot, the Blackhawks kind of, they used Entwistle mostly as a wing this season, but he did have to play center from time to time due to just all the injuries and the trades the Blackhawks made and dealt with at the center position this year. He ended up winning 46.5% of his draws, took just shy of 200. I'd expect the Blackhawks to use him mostly as a winger moving forward, but at the same time, it is nice to know that he's capable of going in there and winning a draw if needed. Uh, In terms of hits, Entwistle racked up 126 this year, which was among the Blackhawks team leaders, although Kind of interesting to see that he had 129 in 55 games as a rookie the year before. So three more hits in 11 fewer games. Look, 126 hits is still pretty good for a guy that's playing, you know, just over 11 minutes. Um, would like to see Ant Whistle probably rack up a little bit of a higher clip and own that role, maybe just a little bit more. Again, he is physical. He does it on most of his shifts, but just a little interesting to see that he had more as a rookie. Come on, Macker. Got to be a little bit more aggressive out there. Can't let rookie Macker get the best of sophomore Macker. Uh, In terms of block shots, he had 28 this year. I'd like to see that number be up a little bit more as he takes on a greater penalty killing role. Um, And then something that also was kind of impressive to me, the analytics for Entwistle this year. In terms of his Corsi, he had a 46.5 Corsi 4 percentage, which for a fourth liner on a bad team, not bad whatsoever. I'd take that. Even, Even on a good team, if you have a fourth liner above 50%, that's pretty awesome. If the Blackhawks were good and McKenzie and Whistle had a 46.5 Corsi 4 percentage, I'd be pretty happy with that based on the defensive role that he plays. And then looking at the goals he was on the ice for and against in all situations, he was on the ice for 25 goals for to only 34 against in his 66 games played. And 
I know his role wasn't the biggest, but I still think that's pretty solid all in all for a guy who starts mostly in the defensive zone, 60% defensive zone start percentage, a bottom six guy, a penalty killer too. I think those are pretty solid numbers from McKenzie Entwistle analytically. So taking everything into consideration, again, I reference it's a little bit hard to judge a player like Macker who probably, you know, provides the right mindset and does the right things out there on the ice, but you just don't feel it on a Blackhawks team that's, you know, right there with the worst in the entire league. So maybe this is a little bit unfair. Um, I'd like to see Macker maybe take a little bit bigger of a step next season. He's only still is only 23 this year, still very early in his career. Um, but taking everything into consideration, I'm going to give him um, a flat C for his performance this season. There just wasn't all that much that stood out. And I do think there's another gear that he can get it to at the same time. And it felt like everyone was kind of on the same page with Entwistle here. 61% of the voters on YouTube voted for a C. 62% of the voters on Twitter voted for a C. 75% of the voters on Instagram voted for a C. And by the way, make sure you're going and checking out the community section on my YouTube channel. I'm asking awesome interactive questions there. It's also where you can hit me up with your mailbag Monday questions and also make sure to follow Lockdown Blackhawks on Instagram. I'm going to be having a giveaway coming up sometime soon. And I know one of the ways you're going to, you're you're going to, what you're going to need to do in order to qualify. One of those ways is you're going to have to be following Lockdown Blackhawks on Instagram. So might as well get that out of the way. Now go and follow the channel. I would greatly appreciate it, but yeah, felt like everyone was kind of on the same page here with Entwistle. We all given him a flat C for his performance this season. All right, Blackhawks fans, coming up in just a minute, I still have to get into my weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment where I answer a question from a couple of lucky listeners right here on Locked On Blackhawks. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, folks, before I wrap up today's show, still got to get into our weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment. And as I just referenced, please make sure you're going and checking out the community tab on my YouTube channel. You can easily find it. Go click on Lockdown Blackhawks down below. Make sure you're subscribed to the channel while you're already there. And that's where I'm going to be asking you what grade you think certain players deserve for their performance this season. And also where you can reach out with your Mailbag Monday questions. Also make sure you're following Talking Hockey and Lockdown Blackhawks on Twitter. Greatly appreciate you all reaching out with your questions. I love this segment. Got a couple of good ones coming up here today. The first of which came from Lee Thomas on YouTube, who seems to be watching all my videos. Lee, greatly appreciate all the support, man. Thank you very much. Lee asked a pretty hearty question here. That's going to take me a couple minutes. He asked, maybe the return of DeBrinket. What's your opinion on Connor Murphy? Is Tyler Bertuzzi a good fit? AA staying or going? All right, that's four questions right there, and it's only the first half of this question. Lee, you might have to break these up into two-parters for me. Um, Alex DeBrinket will not be coming back to Chicago, if I had to guess. Um Certainly a more intriguing destination now that they've landed Connor Bedard and have arguably the best prospect pool in the entire NHL. I think it is uh, an intriguing option, but it feels like he's going to have to make a decision before the Blackhawks are going to make one on who they want to go out and get in free agency and kind of add to this roster in the future. So 
I wouldn't bank on it. Stan Bowman's not in charge anymore. Don't expect a lot of players to be brought back for a second stint. Opinion on Connor Murphy. I do wonder if the Blackhawks could be thinking about trading him because he just doesn't exactly fit what they're doing. And with so many defensive prospects on the horizon these next few years, Seth Jones is already tied up. Like, there's not a whole lot of open spots on defense. At the same time, a veteran leader. I don't think he's been as good the last two seasons as he was uh, to the start of his Blackhawks career. Um, but a good veteran leader could be the next captain of the Blackhawks. I, I do think he's an intriguing name to throw around in trade talks before the NHL draft. We'll see what winds up happening there. Um, if he is with the Blackhawks next season, I would like to see him kind of return to being the shutdown defenseman he was when he first arrived here in Chicago from the Coyotes. Tyler Bertuzzi would be a good fit. I do think he's an intriguing option. Um, probably going to get overpaid this offseason, which for the Blackhawks wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to do. Do think he's a possible uh, Chicago is a possible fit for him in free agency. AA staying or going right now, I'm going to lean towards AA staying. Um, this is where I stand right now. I think Athanasiu is more likely to come back than Mags Domi after Domi's just had such a tremendous postseason run for the Dallas Stars. I think someone's going to be willing to give him some big bucks. Not that Chicago wouldn't be able to, but I do think now that he's been a part of back to back Stanley Cup playoff runs. I bet he's going to want to, especially if they fall short again this season, I bet he's going to want to be back on a Stanley Cup contender. So that's why I'm leaning more towards uh, Andreas Athanasiu being the one to come back right now. Do you see Bowman being the general manager in Calgary? Coach Q as the New York Rangers coach. Uh, I'm pretty, uh, pretty frustrated that these two are going to be coming back. And look, you can all feel your own way. I'm not here to tell anyone how to feel on this matter. It's just sad that the NHL just keeps doing the same thing over and over again. The same general managers, the same coaches. And it's like, after what Quenville and Bowman did, like, are we really going to bring them back into the NHL? Like, why do we keep recycling the same names? Especially Stan Bowman. This guy was not a good general manager. He didn't draft Kane. He didn't draft Taves. He didn't draft Keith. He didn't draft Seabrook. He didn't draft Crawford. He didn't draft Jalmerson. He didn't draft Boland. He didn't draft any of them. Sure. He made some good deadline trades, and I will say that. One of his better attributes as a GM was the smaller moves that he made, the one-for-one swaps of, like, you know, like third liners and that type of stuff. He was good at that. But anytime he traded a player of substance, it never went well. I don't understand why anyone would want Stan Bowman to be their general manager. I do think there's more of a gripe as Joel Quenville as head coach. But um, personally, if it were up to me, I wouldn't let these guys be coaching back in the NHL again. I will say, though, it's not going to surprise me when both of them are reinstated by the NHL here in a couple of months. It's just the sad way the NHL works, and I do think New York is a really good fit for Joel Quenville. Uh, Taser, Kaner, Keith up in the rafters, absolutely. Who else needs to? Chelios and Larmer would be uh, would be good fits. I just think that time sadly has passed. I think the interesting one's going to be Brent Seabrook. Are they going to hang number seven in the rafters? I doubt it. Um, who fits as next captain? I think it's going to be Seth Jones. I know Lee Tom Thomas here says, my opinion, not Jones. He's going to be around for the greater good of this rebuild. He's taken on more of a leadership role. However you feel about Seth Jones really doesn't matter in this question. Um, he's probably going to be the next captain of the Chicago Blackhawks. Gutman, Hardman, will they make the cut next year? Cole Gutman absolutely will. Mike Hardman, I think it's probably time for him to – start fresh with another organization, or if he kind of realizes where he's at in the NHL might not be the most realistic path, could see him being a veteran leader for the Ice Hogs again next year. 
Next question I wanted to answer comes from David Perrier. Perrier? One of those two. I apologize, David, if I butchered that. David on YouTube asked, what role do you see Cole Gutman in next season and what's his ceiling? He looked awesome after getting called up from Rockford. Do you think he can be an impact player for the Hawks? Um, next year, it's going to be interesting to see where Cole Gutman starts off because it is going to come down to what the Blackhawks do in free agency, and we don't expect them to be active, but they are still probably going to bring in two or three forwards, if I had to guess. Um, I think a second or third line center role for Cole Gutman, either or, would be a really good spot for him, and I do think he can be an impact player. I know we haven't had the greatest sample size of him, but the speed, the tenacity, and he flashed some offensive upside there too, and that's kind of what we saw a lot of last summer at development camp and um, at the prospect showcase against the Minnesota wild outside of Lucas Reichel, Cole Gutman looked like the most NHL ready forward from the Blackhawks prospect group. So I'm certainly excited to see more out of him next season. Um, We'll see if he ends up playing center or the wing, but I think a second or third line role would be a good spot for him to start out next season. The last question I wanted to answer today comes from call call. Paul Cavastilli? Cavastilli? It's a tough Italian last name, Paul. I apologize. Asked, could we see the Blackhawks move into the top five for a second first round pick? Yeah, I, I just think it's going to be tough for the Blackhawks to uh, to move back up there. Um, we know Fantilli is going number two. There's no way that Anaheim is going to be trading that. I don't see Columbus trading number three or San Jose trading number four. Maybe the Blackhawks can trade up at five or six. I I don't know. I think it probably starts at number seven with the Philadelphia Flyers, if I had to guess. So, yeah, I would not expect the Blackhawks. If you're one of those people who's saying, could the Blackhawks wind up with Bedard or Fantilli in this year's draft, Bedard and Fantilli in this year's draft? No, that's not going to happen. The only thing that would interest Anaheim to get that number two pick would be the number one overall selection, and we know Fantilli is not going to go Connor Bedard before Connor Bedard. So now the Blackhawks are probably not going to be getting into the top five once again, but I do think there is a good chance that they could trade up to number seven, number eight, or number 10 in the first round. All right. I think that is going to wrap up Monday, May 22nd episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. As always, thank you all again for tuning into today's show. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can follow me out on Twitter at Jack Bushman too. I should pull up right now. I did a bad job of my overlay today. Follow me on Twitter at Jack Bushman too, or you could also check out my strictly Blackhawks account at Talk and Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. So until tomorrow's episode, that's going to do it here for the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts.